This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Right, it's Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and we are here for another Law Talk Live. Uh, well, it's sort of live, pre-recorded live, right, Josh? That's right. And uh, I have a very special guest today we'll get to in just a second. I want to remind you, if you haven't, to like, follow, subscribe to all our content ac- across social media platforms as well as podcast platforms. We're available on uh, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcast, etc., and we'd be glad to, uh, uh, we would appreciate your comments and shares on those platforms we're also on TikTok, where you can see clips from the show as well as some legal points. Um, and then we've got coming up real soon in October is our hundredth episode. Uh, that's going to be a fundraiser for the Tipton Arts Council on October 11th. We'll have a lot of special guests. I'm sure Josh has got surprises, so that'll be a lot of fun. So tune in for that Tuesday, that Tuesday at five. Also, we want to thank Michelle Allen. She's our longtime sponsor. Uh, she's your go-to to buy, sell, rent, lease real estate in West Tennessee and potentially even other places. And she's a really cool person. I talk to her all the time. I see her at events, and uh, she's a, a really good, not just supporter of the show, but community leader. So we appreciate Michelle. And, of course, Mason's High Octane Martial Arts is located in Covington, Tennessee. You can go there and learn to become a kicking lawyer yourself uh, and start your own black belt journey, relocating it real soon uh, to a bigger location. We'd be glad to help you guys out. Just go to masonsmartialarts.com. You get information on that. And the Cellar Restaurant and Prohibition Bar is located right here in Covington. I will be there shortly. On every Tuesday, we do um, live trivia, and then we have live music on Fridays and comedy and all kinds of stuff, plus a great menu and full full bar menu and stuff, so a lot of fun at the Cellar. And then, of course, Masonite Digital Marketing. Josh is always happy to help you accelerate your brand online and your, uh, your digital presence and whatnot. And so today, for the first time that I didn't realize, it, I mean, you're kind of on it every day. Kind of. <laughs> is uh, my brother, marketing director, and Masonite marketing guy is Josh Mason. How are That's you right. doing, Josh Mason? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to oh, be on yeah. Law Talk Live. I'm sure excited yes. to be here. You've never been on Never been on it before. It actually is kind of weird sitting on this side because I'm yeah. not used to seeing everything from this perspective. It's weird seeing you here because yeah. often people will see me look this way because of where you sit. But uh, and we also they have don't see you as often. We also have the screen right below the camera, so mm-hmm. when people see you looking over here, that's what you're looking at most of the time. You're uh-huh. looking at the monitor. Yeah, a lot of times I'm looking. Yeah, we got a second monitor. that has got the feed on it yeah. that's set up. Well, so Josh, I guess I could ask you this. Well, let, let's back up. We don't really ever talk. People hear me talk a lot about it, and then I hint at stuff of us being related in yeah. the background. But why don't you tell everybody your background, the things you do, and how you got to here? Well, I am uh, your brother, (laughs) one of the three Mason brothers, Justin being the other. And, uh, you know, my background's mainly in filmmaking and stuff, which you're partially to blame for some of that. Um, I started in high school, my freshman year of high school. I got real big into filmmaking because I started making video projects as uh, class projects. So we did the first one we did was like To Kill a Mockingbird. Then we did Romeo and Juliet, The Odyssey, all that kind of stuff. And then throughout all of high school, I just kept making these videos as class projects. And then that kind of evolved. Once I got out of high school, I wanted to keep doing it because I discovered how much I loved filmmaking and, and everything. And I was like, well, how can I keep doing this? And there was a new, newish website that had just come up in the past few years called YouTube. And so I started doing some like little goofy, super cringy videos now that I hope nobody ever finds because they'd be super embarrassing. But uh, I was doing some like goofy videos with friends and stuff. And I did that for a little while, and then that kind of eventually evolved into what Mason Studios is now, where I started going to comic conventions and filming, like, cosplayers and doing cosplay music videos, which also led into, by meeting all these cosplayers, I discovered, wait a minute, these cosplayers, they have all these awesome costumes, and if I could put them in, like, a fan film based on whatever they're cosplaying, I don't have to pay for a costume for that video because they already have it. Mm -hmm. So that kind of led into us doing, like, we did fan films on Super Mario, and then, of course, the most popular one is Tomb Raider that uh, Sarah, you know, friend of the show, was in. And uh, that one got, I think it's close to 150,000 views now, something like that. It got recognized by Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics, which was really cool. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that led me through 
you know, doing all the video production and stuff over the years. And then that eventually evolved into now. Of course, I do the marketing and stuff here for the law firm. And then I have my own Masonite digital marketing uh, business on the side, which does video production, web design, graphic design, uh, just whatever people need as far as digital marketing. So anyway, that's how the video production stuff led into the digital marketing. And the reason I say you're to blame is because you showed me in high school when I first started doing those class projects, you had that super garbage editing program. Mm. At the time, we thought it was great, but it was called Pinnacle Studio. Yep. Crashed all the time, was a terrible editing program. But, I mean, for us, we were used to, like, you know, mm-hmm. filming on VHS cassettes and stuff, yeah, we so would it was, film, like, revolutionary. We would film and back up from the... Uh, back up the tape if we messed up right. and try to retape it. Like and then a lot of times a lot of times pieces of the mistake the take that had a mistake in it would be left over because you didn't rewind quite far mm-hmm. enough. It was like a yeah, that was how you edit it back in the day. Yeah, no, that pinnacle was, program, of course I didn't we didn't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, we and, thought and it was great at the time. I was using it to edit uh it seems like I was doing some kind of uh martial I think I was doing instructional DVDs with it sorta and then also I was doing the kids. I was filming them in, like, their own superhero mm-hmm. movies. Right. Because I did the Superman one with Austin that was real good. And then I think you did a Flash I one I did a with Flash Alex. one, but yeah. the problem was it kept crashing. Yeah. And it, I had so many cuts to make him look like he moved fast yeah. that it wouldn't render. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, yeah. So I remember, and then I, part of what it was is because I'm kind of like you. I don't like people touching my stuff. And so you would use it in school, yeah. and then finally I was like, "Look, man." Well, you, yeah, you, you, you were real irritated stuff. by the fact that I was using your your stuff because I was using your camera uh-huh. and your editing program for yeah. freshman year. So yeah. those first three videos I did, it was all your stuff. And then that summer, in between freshman and sophomore year of high school, I got my first job uh, working at the movie theater in Atoka. And so I used my first couple of paychecks I got from that to buy my own Sony Handycam, little garbage camera, and then I bought my own copy of that mm-hmm. Pinnacle Studio program. And that's how I started, and then I used that throughout all of high school to make all those video projects and things. And then, of course, after high school, I bought better equipment. And then over the years, I've just gotten progressively better and better equipment to where now I'm doing stuff that I, I hope, anyway, is of somewhat decent quality. So, no, it is. And yeah. i tell you what, Josh, uh, you know, I, I joke with you about a lot of different stuff just because we're brothers. But, you know, the commercials and stuff you've done for us are awesome. You know, there's one of the best ones I think you did uh, I still have it on my phone, and we weren't able to release it because we never got the rights to that, that song. song. Yeah, but that yeah. was great. The lighting on it was good. The the one was this Manish Boy was the song. Yeah, and uh, uh, for those that don't know, I never posted it because we couldn't get the rights to the song Manish Boy. But it's got basically me walking into a courtroom, and at the same time, it cuts between me walking towards a cage, and then it cuts in with me getting ready to do both of those things. It my hands wrapped. And uh, then, of course, putting a suit on, and it cuts between the two and then shows both of them work up. And then basically how you're a fighter in and out of the yeah, courtroom yeah, was yeah. kind of the idea. That was good. Yeah. But I mean, like the yeah. seller one you did recently with the, the GTMA students where we were, were fighting, and mm-hmm. uh, that. And there's a whole bunch that you've done. Like, I mean, I know you really enjoy the fan films and stuff, and those are good. Sometimes they're not my cup of tea, but the professional videos that you do for yeah. commercials or businesses, I think, are awesome. Yeah. So um, I think you do great. One thing I was going to say, though, you'll probably agree with me on this. It's not just that, uh, you know, you part of both of our interests mm-hmm. in movies is our dad's fault. Oh, yeah. They took us to, I remember, I still remember when we were younger. I mean, I was a little bitty. But I remember us palling, me, you, and Justin, palling that little red truck mm-hmm. mom and daddy had. And that would be like our weekend outing is we would go to the Malco on stage mm-hmm. and we would watch, uh, you know, whatever movie. Uh, yeah, because, you, know. you know, our parents weren't big on vacations. But the vacation was every weekend in summertime, every weekend we went to the movies. Right. And then, or you had friends spend the night and you went and rented a movie. So yeah. it was very movie heavy. Like joy was we get to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. You go get pizza, watch a movie, or go do whatever. Uh, but it was specifically for me, because like, well, of course I grew up in the 80s, was the 1980s action films. And then because of that, me and Justin being your older brothers and still influenced by it, you ended up having to watch a bunch of those too. Yeah, well, that's why I feel like I'm more of a child, even though I was born in 90, because of you and Justin and because of y'all's interest in movies, video games, music, and everything that I had to grow up with. I tell people all the time I feel more like a child of the 80s than Mm -hmm. the 90s. Um, and so I've always felt that way just because I'm into Rambo and, you know, Terminator and all the stuff, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the stuff that was popular during the eighties is all the stuff that I'm a big fan of. You know, you're the reason I was into star Wars because I would watch your old VHS cassette tapes of star Wars as a kid. And, uh, so yeah, anyway, y'all, y'all had a lot to do with me being into all that kind of stuff, but that's what leading into the movies and stuff that I make now 
you know, I try to make them like 1980s action films mm-hmm. because that's the stuff I grew up with and that's the stuff that I still to this day really like. And I think it's a hell of a lot better than 90% of the stuff that's coming out of Hollywood nowadays. So You say that, you but know. your favorite director is a more modern guy. That does well, that's action. true, yes. Michael Bay, who I, I get a lot of crap for liking his stuff. But look, when I saw, so I saw Transformers uh, in 2007 when it came out. And that movie for me at the time had everything in it that I, it was like, my, you know, I hear Justin all the time talk about Jurassic Park, the first time he saw Jurassic Park and how it wowed him. And I'm sure Star Wars was that way for you. For me, that's how the first Transformers was. When that uh, helicopter lands at the military base at the beginning of that movie and it starts transforming and it didn't look like a cartoon. It looked like when it stood up, it looked like an actual robot, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and then, of course, it had the fancy Camaro, and then it had Megan Fox, and so, you know, it had explosions, and the robots fighting, and then it ends with Linkin Park, which was my favorite band at the time, and so, yeah, just everything about that uh, movie, it was like the perfect formula of all these combined ingredients that was just right at my alley, and I think because of the, the fact that I was 16 or 17 at the time, just starting to drive and get my license, and it's a movie about a kid getting his first car, I think kind of influenced me, too, so, anyway, after I walked out of that theater, I was like, that's the best director ever. I was like, I've got to, if whatever movies I make, I've got to try to make them as much like a Michael Bay movie as possible. So it didn't have anything to do with the fact that Megan Fox was in it? Oh, that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was a big part of it. The Megan Fox, the Camaro, uh, that's why I drive a Camaro now, was uh-huh. because of that movie. So, yeah, but no, that is my favorite director is Michael Bay. I guess we should note, too, that because Josh is over here, Austin Mason is now manning the control panel. So if he messes up on swapping and all that, it's uh, it's his it's, fault. It's yeah. his fault. That's he, why I keep glancing over at the screen because I'm like, is he swapping it when he's supposed to? <laughs> yeah. He's an apprentice over there. Apprentice. He's doing a good job so far. Yeah. <laughs> we, what we should do is real quick, like, I say yeah. something, you say something, and then we so say something, gotta, and then yeah, and he's got switch back away. Oh, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and get people sick to their stomach. Yeah, they're like, ah, too much switching. You like Michael Bay, Austin? Yeah. <laughs> you like Megan Fox, Austin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I think it's why most people like that. She's movie. getting old now. She's like yeah. older than me. She's, uh, she's dating or might even be engaged to uh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. 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 MGK or whatever. Whatever yeah. his name is. Well, so uh, I was going to ask you, though, because sidebar there, I know, you, I know you like Michael Bay and all that stuff. But uh, what's your favorite 1980s action movie? Oh, that's tough. Uh,. Probably, I would have to say either the first Rambo, or no, you know what? Uh, probably Predator. Predator's with my Schwarzenegger. Favorite. Yeah, I mean, if I, he, if I had to watch one, and I watch it all the time, like yeah. I probably watch it twice a month. Yeah, the first it's Predator is really, really good. When uh, everything from the opening moments when him and Dutch do the manly arm grab and see their biceps, and they're all like oiled up for no reason whatsoever, other than they both have huge biceps. And, uh, you know, they're smoking the big cigars and, you know, it's just a bunch of, uh, just ultimate badasses out in the woods with, uh, machine yeah. guns. They go out there know. with the machine guns and lay down that and line they lay of fire. Down. And yeah. They just eliminate the, the woods. Jungle. Yeah. Jungle's <laughs> gone. And then they're, yeah. they're always so, they're so, uh, over the top masculine. Yeah. Like the part where he's like, he's shaving himself and he cuts and himself. And he goes, you're bleeding. He goes, I ain't got time to bleed. I ain't got time to bleed. It's yeah. just so many good one liners <laughs> in there. Even the the guy that's the Native American guy at the end, you yeah. know, he cuts himself and he's ready to go. Well, that's what I liked about it. in the 1980s action films. It's back when it was, I guess I'm probably going to make some people mad saying this, but it was back when it was like okay to be a man. Like it wasn't frowned upon the way that a lot of these Hollywood movies and stuff try to do it nowadays. And so there was something I was watching the other day, that terrible movie. Oh, uh, Hocus Pocus 2. Terrible. Don't recommend it. Madeline watched it. She liked it. I, I only watched it because it's such a big part of pop culture. And so I knew people would be talking about it. And I was like, I'll see what it's about. And I never even cared that much for the original, but I thought the original was just okay. But the second one, I mean, it's got like lines of dialogue in it that are just, you know, full of woke stuff. And, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know. I just I'm I'm tired of all that uh, Hollywood, and I just want stuff to be more like it was in the '80s and '90s. Well, I think the thing is, there's certain things we want like that. Like I don't think that men should be, uh, you shouldn't have certain biases to women. Obviously, they shouldn't be mistreated. You know, things like that yeah. that we would all agree on. But I also think that it shouldn't be looked down on if I'm a masculine man. Right. I, I'm I, okay if you want to not be a masculine man. Fine. I don't mm-hmm. care. It's like my view on a lot of things. You do you. But if I like to shoot guns, look at attractive ladies, and watch action movies and fight and things like that, go train in martial arts and all, all these 
sort of ma- you know like we're all, we all are into sort of masculine type stuff me you and Justin yeah. just different types of it Justin right. likes to hunt yeah. He hunts and fixes up stuff and fishes, and he's good with his hands on all that manual labor. You or I, neither one like no, the manual labor all. part. No. But, like, uh, well, I manhandled a, man, uh, a chainsaw pretty good the other I can if I have yeah. to. I mean, I, Alston was the one that had to hang these new lights that we got in the studio <laughs> because yeah. he's the only one that's how to use the drill. There's other <laughs> aspects that uh, are considered masculine. That yeah. are, okay. I, and my point is, like, you just should be able to be you and it be okay right. as long as you're not hurting somebody else. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, I think. That, but that's why I like all the 80s. So we talked about this on the podcast the other day, though, about like when Expendables came out, how that was like a religious experience almost because it was all of our heroes from mm-hmm. the 80s. And I'm telling you right now, like I don't I don't get upset too much about like celebrities passing away or anything like that. Like it usually doesn't bother me because, I mean, I don't, I don't know these people, you know, other than seeing them in movies. But when like Schwarzenegger and Stallone die – I might, I might have a rough day those days. I'm just going yeah, to be no, honest. I like, agree. I mean, they're icons. You know. And, I mean, even if you look at them now, they're still physical specimens. Yeah. And they're in their, their 80s. Age, yeah, at their ages, and they're still in good shape. Yeah. yeah. They're, uh, that, I mean, that. what people don't get is, like, you know, people, of course, always, uh, well, they're taking everything and steroids and all. You can't just take steroids and then get results. They're having to put in the work. You have to do yeah. the work. And these guys have literally their entire two lifetimes, really, yeah put in the work now yeah they're wealthy enough i'm sure they have the best oh chemical yeah. they've sub- got own hand nutritionist and personal yeah. trainers and you know stallone the best is, of the best stallone is all about the hgh the yeah. human growth that's why he when you do hgh your forehead your ears your hands all keep growing because it grows everything yeah, yeah. so you yeah. can look at a picture of him and all that stuff is way bigger than, <laughs> than it, it was used to be because yeah. he's on all that human growth hormone <laughs> But, I mean, it's almost a fountain of youth to some degree because that dude is still super jacked. Yeah. And he was still – I watched uh, The Samaritan. Have you seen it yet? Mm-hmm. On, I liked it. Uh, I think it was on Amazon. Good. Yeah. And it was it was really good. But, I mean, he's still – I mean, he was doing action scenes and, you know, jumping over cars and all this kind of stuff at his age. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as uh, far as I could tell anyway, it didn't look like they were using a whole lot of stunt people. So, I mean, for him to be doing that at that age, if I can be moving around half that good by the time I'm up there, then I'll be doing pretty good. So, so what's your favorite modern action movie? Oh, uh, well, I mean – if, how, what do you consider modern? Like I don't know. Let's past. say say less ten last ten years. Last ten years. Okay, so Transformers not included. Um, I don't know. Probably well, probably Expendables too, because that was like 2011, 2012, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because uh, I mentioned this on the podcast the other day that first ten minutes of it is better than most movies. Mm-hmm. Like just the, you could go sit down and just watch, just watch. Even if you haven't seen it, watch the first ten minutes of Expendables two. And I dare you to come tell me that's not the greatest thing you've ever seen. Did you watch yeah. that RRR movie yet? Though? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was also one of the greatest things I've that ever seen. That was just so over it's the so, top. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, literally the first opening scene of that one. Yeah. The scene where a dude uh, has the stick mm-hmm. and has to go after the dude and the crowd of people and mm-hmm. fights off an entire crowd of people with the stick. Uh, and then the best scene of that movie is when they're, uh, I don't remember, because I don't know what the movie's even about. Like, I don't understand. It's in a different language. Like, it's a Bollywood film. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tell you the plot of it if I had to, but they're, uh, they're in this, uh, they're riding into this party or something on a truck, and the truck, like, spins around and flips over, and there's all these cages of wild animals in the back, and all the wild animals leap out of the cages in slow motion, and the dude is leaping off the back of the truck with torches in his hands, and it's all slow-mo and epic while, like, tigers and stuff are flowing down beside him and I was like that is the greatest shot I've ever seen in any movie that I've ever watched ever and I, I still have no idea what was going on in it but. and then they have the dance sequence yeah yeah <laughs> where they yeah. I'm pretty sure they sped it up but those guys are tearing <laughs> it up on the ole, 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 mm-hmm. dancing against it and stuff <laughs> anyway it's fun to yeah. watch and we have to watch more Bollywood movies now after seeing yeah that. well there's a lot of them like that with the action in them that way yeah. it's just nuts over the top just stupid. On, pur- on purpose yeah uh, yeah, it was good. There was one that uh, uh, there was one that I watched the other night that another guy had seen do a review didn't like. I forget which one it was now, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. Expendables is probably top level for me of most recent, um, you know, like action movies. Yeah. But I do like a lot of the, when they've got really good martial arts in them. And um, those Ip Man movies are good. Yeah, Ip Man is good. Yeah, they're good. The problem I have is I know the real backstory on a yeah. lot of those, and so they take so much uh, theatrical license with the mm-hmm. history of Ip Man. Ip Man was a little bitty dude. Yeah, and uh, he was he got famous really for well na- internationally because he was Bruce Lee's instructor. But in China or Hong Kong, I think he got popular because he did do a few set up matches with other masters yeah. or something. 
Um, but now he's like an icon. Right. You know, they got this It Man show, and he's, he's boxing Mike Tyson mm-hmm. and one of them. Yeah, I only watched the first, I think it was the first two. But that first one, I specifically remember, because I watched it around the same time as I watched, like, The Raid mm-hmm. and some of those action kung fu movies. And, uh, yeah, I just remember it being really, really good. And that's what uh, made me understand who Donnie Yen was, because prior to that, I'd never heard of him. He's and in a lot of action Now he's movies. in all kinds of stuff. He was yeah. in Star Wars and, you know, all that. But uh, He's very talented, too, Yeah, uh, martial artist. Yeah, I like when they have actual good martial arts, um, personally, when I'm watching the movies. I, I don't like watching... It's so hard for me if I watch an old movie, mm-hmm. like in the 40s or 50s, and they do a fight sequence, Yeah, and it's so unrealistic. And uh, <laughs> My favorite was when they would have stunt people that look nothing yeah, whatsoever like the... Yeah, throw them that was a lot there. of the westerns. Yeah. Those yeah. spaghetti <laughs> westerns would have stunt people that didn't look anything like them. Those were the best. Yeah. yeah, they'd have a dude with a wig on to be the woman getting thrown right. around. And big old shoulders and yeah. everything. My favorite parody that's in uh, it's a terrible movie, but I, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. It was epic movie. Uh, it came out in the early two thousands, I think. But they make fun of uh, like Chronicles of Narnia and a whole bunch of different movies. But there's one scene in it where there's these two characters that are having a fight with each other, and one's like a white guy, and I think the other's a black guy. But anyway, like middle of the fight, it's just obvious that it's these two Asian dudes fighting. Like the camera <laughs> yeah, even, li- even the camera it, like yeah. lingers on him for a second. It's super obvious, and I was like, that's pretty funny. Just yeah, making fun of those old films and how they would do that. So on a, on a different topic on your um, your other stuff you do outside of working here, your Masonite marketing and whatnot. Yep. Uh, tell folks in case there's businesses like what services you provide and what you like to do with them. Literally everything. Uh, I even told my I got a sales guy, um, Mr. Ben Sass, that helps me with some of the sales stuff. And I told him this. I said, whenever clients approach you and they ask you um, what types of services we offer, you tell them everything because that is true. Everything has a price. So like you need you know somebody to disappear. We might be willing to do that too if the price is right. <laughs> so we'll do it. But no, seriously, what we really do is uh, mostly video production. That's obviously a big one. I do web design, which is a big one that's gotten, I've gotten several clients that have hired me for that. Graphic design. I do social media marketing. So I do the thing called a social media boost, where if you have like a Facebook page, Instagram page, something like that, and you want it to get more followers, you can contact us and we mess around with the algorithms to get you a bigger following. Um, so yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, SEO, SMO, um, you know, those are all the basic stuff, but a lot of what I do, cause originally when I started the, um, website it was August of last year when I really got into it real big and, uh, I had all of our services listed on there, but what I soon discovered and I didn't have them listed very long was that the majority of clients that were hiring me were wanting very specific custom things. Like they were wanting like specific videos that were specific links that weren't listed on the website or uh, just different things like that. And so what I ended up having to do is I had to take them all off there. And now I just strictly do it where I give quotes based on whatever the business's needs are. So, um, you know, whether you need a one minute video, an hour long video, you know, some people might want me to film a wedding. Some people have wanted me to film documentary style stuff or, uh, uh, like I did, um, Will Wooten who has the three commas app. I did the, the entrepreneurial summit video, which was like an hour long, you know, so stuff like that, you know. Um, but, yeah, we do literally anything and everything. So if you're a local business and you need an ad, video ad, website, graphic design, um, some of this stuff like here, I mean, I can hook up people with a podcast if they're willing to pay for all the equipment and everything. I know how to make that happen now. So, you know, yeah, just whatever people need. On a side note that I hadn't talked to you about yet, I'm debating, and this is something you and I will talk about uh, later, but, you know, we're looking at this this location up here for mm-hmm. book record store slash recording studio, and I'll have room in the back. I could build out a separate podcast studio. Yeah. Like uh, the way we've always – you know, this has actually functioned really well for what it is. It has. It definitely I mean, could, uh, it could be improved. There are things that we could do to make it better. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've had people comment that I got blankets hanging up, yeah. but they're the exact same as if you buy sound blankets. Right. They're the same thing. Yeah. And so, they work. They serve their purpose. And they're the right color. Yeah. I mean, it fits. But, but more uh, so, I think it's more just the room that we're in really mm-hmm. is not built at all to be a to be a, Yeah. A well, you know, a lot of studio. times, I don't know if people notice this, but often when we're live, you can hear people in the back talking. Yeah, because it's not, nothing soundproofed at all, stuff. really. Yeah. So, but anyway, just FYI, I'm <laughs> thinking about if we do it, yeah. maybe trying to do it right. Right. And do that location with a... Well, the ideal, the two biggest changes I would say we probably would need to make if we did anything different in the future is one that Joe Rogan does. Joe Rogan actually has his cameras mounted on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes it a lot better because ours, people don't know this, but they're actually set up on the table. Is Austin switching between us? (laughs) There I am. He fell asleep. He fell asleep over there behind the computer. Uh, Ours are actually on the table behind the monitor. 
Um, so like when people hit the table or stuff like that happens, it'll actually shake the cameras. But uh, yeah, if they were mounted on the wall. And then the second thing is if we had the studio. One of us has got static. Yeah, one of us has got static. Hold on. I can probably fix it. I was going to say, is it something Austin did? I think Austin did it. I'm getting it in my... Which one is... Which mic is that that it's coming up on? There. It's kind of sort of went away. It's very faint. I don't think they can hear it. Because okay. usually we can hear it a lot louder than whatever they can hear on their end. So, uh -huh. uh, But no, the, the second part was uh, if we had the actual, like, what do you call it? The control panel area in a separate room with like a window that you can look out of. I think that that would be better because that's more how it's done like in the professional setups and stuff. And just this room just really not quite big enough for what we need it to do, but it works. I mean, it works for what we've been trying to do. Yeah, I think so too. Well, it's something to think about though, because it would be probably quarter two next year when that place is where we have to do build out and then be open. Right. Uh, so anyway, something to think about. Um, so what is your favorite thing to do? The fan films? No, uh, my favorite to do is actually original films. My favorite thing ever is just like writing original stories or taking somebody else's original idea that they've got a screenplay of and making an original film out of it. Uh, the reason I do the fan film so much is because that's the only thing people will watch. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I, don't, I assume that you originally thought through this and this is why you yeah. did it. But when you first started doing those Comic-Con videos that yeah. had all the cosplayers on it, I know you would have you know, Ben or sometimes Nikki or whoever with you mm -hmm. that would pass cards out as you right. filmed them. Yeah. And then it helped build a following because those people would then they like would watch it. They it would share, share it. it. Yeah. And then have yeah. their people that like them start. So it was a good way, I think, to build up the well, channel. That was, yeah, that was exactly why I did it. I did it because, uh, yeah, that, that was the main reason. I mean, I would, this sounds kind of bad, but I mean, even, you know, some of the cosplays wouldn't be like all that great, you know, but I would still include them in the video because I'd be like, that's somebody who's going to share this video with all their friends and family and everybody, and that's more subscribers. And so that was when the, the channel, the Mason Studios YouTube channel, really started getting a lot more followers was when I started doing those cosplay videos because of that because it was all the cosplayers, all the different conventions. I went to conventions all over the country from Texas. I did some down in Birmingham and uh, – you know, obviously the local ones around here, but just all over the place. And so that got me a really big following. And then I do the fan films. I call them lightning rod films. What I mean is when I make these original projects, people don't watch them because it's no brand recognition. So if I go and just make some original film that's based off my own ideas or something nobody's ever heard of, like, you know, five people will watch it. But what I can do is I can create a fan film like a Tomb Raider or Star Wars or something that's got brand recognition behind it. People flock to that, watch it, become aware of the channel and what I'm doing, and then they might subscribe. And then later on when I do an original film, now they're already hooked in and they might be more inclined to watch that original content than they would have prior. So that's why I do the fan films. I mean, I do enjoy doing them. I have fun with them. But, like, I mean, the truth is, be honest with you, and a lot of people are going to be shocked to hear this, I'm not even that big of a Tomb Raider fan. Like, I played the games. I like them. I watched the original movies with Angelina Jolie. But it was one of those situations where, like, you know, I'd met Sarah through the Comic-Con circuit, and we became really good friends. And she had an awesome Laura Croft cosplay. And so I was like, hey, let's go do a Tomb Raider fan film. And we literally went out in the woods and shot it in, like, one weekend. And, uh, I mean, we had no idea at the time that it was going to be, like, my most viewed video ever or anything like that. And uh, sure enough, you know, I released it. And then, of course, I had no intention of doing a sequel. But then it got all those views and all that recognition. I was like, well, now we're going to do a second one, I guess. And so uh, that's how I do this. So it's just funny because to this day, I still will have people that will, um, like, gift me or send me memes of, like, Mario or, like, Tomb Raider or these things that I've made fan films out of. And the reality is it's, like, most of that stuff, I'm not even – I'm a fan of those things, but I'm not that big of a fan. It was more just because – I had the people or the costumes or whatever at the time to make that stuff happen. The only one I made that I'm truly a huge fan of, uh, maybe besides the Star Wars fan film, was my Legend of Zelda fan film because I'm just a huge Legend of Zelda nerd. But, uh, yeah, the rest of them, that's why I make them, so that people can be aware of the channel. And hopefully when I do original content, hopefully they'll watch that stuff. Now, other than the dances that you do on TikTok. Yes, all the dances. What, I do all uh, the dances. What do you enjoy <laughs> doing in your free time? Uh, watching movies uh, and I mean I still play video games a little bit here and there but it's most of my free time what little I get is just watching movies so do you have you played Apex I uh, played a little bit of it I didn't really get into it I'm not big on the online um, shooter games I'm more into like the uh, single player story driven like RPG type I was stuff, too you know? until I got on the, the like Xbox Live yeah 
but I have better internet because it's in the city, right? And I think that plays a big part. You I play I play a little bit of Call of Duty, um, as far as like online multiplayer games. I'll do Call of Duty, and then I played a little. I tried to play Fortnite. I couldn't really get into it. Um, but yeah, other than that, I play like Skyrim, Minecraft, Doom. I like Doom because you can go rip demons in half and stuff like that. But they the kids have got a Minecraft. Uh, is it what called like Cosmic Dookie Brownie or something? <laughs> Austin. It's a realm. Yeah, they got a realm. It's called Cosmic Brownie. Cos- Cosmic Brownie. Cosmic Brownie. Anyway, I have a whole bunch of diamonds hidden yeah. in it on Minecraft. I did it. So what I did, this is how this is the only way I got into each game. Specifically Jude, because Austin only recently he hits or misses if he's playing yeah. something. But Jude would spend a lot of time on the games. Mm-hmm. So to try to spend time with, with Jude. If he was playing Fortnite, I learned to play Fortnite to try to get him to play with me so I could spend time with him, right? Because that's kind of how they interact. So then as soon as I would get decent at Fortnite, he would quit playing Fortnite Mm -hmm. and do something else. So that's how I got on Apex Legends is he quit playing Fortnite. He started playing Apex. Well, by the time I got decent on it, now he's back to Minecraft. He's back to something else. So when I went to Minecraft, I started – because I don't care anything about all the building, but it's kind of interesting to me. It is kind of relaxing when you're digging way down deep and you try to find these diamonds Mm -hmm. because they're rare. So I started collecting diamonds, and then I hid them in a secret location, <laughs> and I would create, uh, what do you call it, uh, scavenger hunts for the yeah. kids in the realm. And here's <laughs> what sucked, though. I would spend days laying this scavenger hunt out with clues, signs with clues. They'd have to go find. And they find it in five seconds. It'd be like an hour, 30 yeah. minutes, an hour, they found it all. And they're like, we got all the diamonds. And I'm we like. got them all. No, yeah. no, spent all that time. What happened was we found, there was like 10 clues, and we found clue seven. Okay. So the clues are still out there. Something to do with the layout of the clues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember playing Minecraft with Jude years ago when he was way younger, and uh, I remember I had just built this like house or castle or something I was super proud of. And I remember I showed him, he came walking into the room. I was like, look, Jude, look what I built. And I was all proud of it. And he was like, that's terrible. And he took the controller and just went on it. Like in five minutes had built something like way better than what oh, I had yeah. built. They've got, man, yeah. the stuff they've got built there. Cause all the kids are on that realm. And they've all got their own little house. Yeah. And so you can see mine because all I did is build like this vertical thing <laughs> with a big flat thing out front. That's, that's what it always ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I then, start uh, I start thinking I'm gonna build something real elaborate and like really cool, and then it just ends up being the same tower that just goes way up into the sky. Well, over mine over. I'll start to build something, then I'll be like, screw this, I'm gonna dig. Yeah. So then I'll just dig a deep thing down to find right. diamonds. That's what I did. Yeah. Find diamonds. I'll do that until I fall into lava, and then I just get pissed and shut the game off. You know. I did die the other night. I found a cavern that had a bunch of uh, creepy or whatever they're called in there. <laughs> yeah. And they kept attacking me, and they ended up killing me. Yeah. And so then I had to try to remember where I was at to go get all the stuff back. <laughs> uh, it's so frustrating. It's literally like 1 a.m., and I'm yeah. like, oh, these creepers. Yeah. <laughs> it was the night that I was playing with you and uh, Noah, yeah. and y'all got yeah. off, and I ended up getting killed by a creeper. <laughs> I, know, I know one night Noah was pissed because he was trying to go to sleep to wake up the next day, and it said both people have to go to their bed yeah. at the same time. And I wouldn't go. I was digging. <laughs> so Noah was stuck. You know, the video games, that's your and Justin's fault, too. Because I remember being, even back in, I was like, like in diapers. This was like last year. <laughs> no, I remember going in the living room, and uh, y'all had the little NES uh, set up on that little bitty, tiny computer mm-hmm. monitor thing. It was almost like it was almost like a green screen on it because it didn't even have color, I don't think. And y'all have like Mario and stuff hooked up to that. And I'd sit in there and like not even know what I was really doing, but mesh on the buttons and play it. And that's kind of where I got into playing video games and stuff. And well, then, the video games is an interesting thing for our family because our dad had Jerry's Amusement Company. He had all the arcade machines. And he had yeah. in the eighties, yeah. he was making really good money doing vending machines, arcade machines, pool tables, crane machines, jukeboxes, the whole deal, right. anything coin operated. He had a route for, and he was at one point the largest distributor in West Tennessee. Yeah. Like he had even Mississippi, he had them all over, right? And I remember this is before you were born, riding with him and going into these locations. He would service the machines, collect the money. We'd go back there and count mm-hmm. the coins. He'd split it up with the guy. And man, he was making. There was a point where he was making really good money, and then yeah. that changed when Nintendo came out. Yeah. So I vividly remember when Nintendo came out, and now we didn't know, I, mean, I don't know if, we need to ask Daddy, I don't know if he anticipated this affecting his business. Right. But I didn't as a kid. All I was excited, like everybody else, I was just excited mm-hmm. to get a Nintendo because that was the hot present. Yeah. It was like 88, 87, 88, something like that, I think. Anyway, I remember sitting in Walmart, who, which at the time and here in town, it was located where um, Save-A-Lot is. It was in that lot. Mm-hmm. That was Walmart. 
I remember in the car with Justin because dad had, had one on layaway or something. And mama was in there. Me and him were sitting there. He couldn't wait. And he goes in because they'd reserved one, and he comes out with a Nintendo. Yeah. I remember the day he walked out with that Nintendo from Walmart. And then we go home, set it up, and then me and Justin would fight back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mama would set a timer. And we'd only, I think it was 20 or 30 minutes, we had to alternate. And, and that yeah. sucked because you're playing the game and you couldn't <laughs> save it. So you get to the point and you're like, oh, no, just a few more minutes. Yeah. And, and It was back when you had to basically leave the system on overnight mm-hmm. to save where you're at in the game because yeah. of the save states and uh, things back then. But, but, man, we would fight. Like he'd be, Justin would go, Joe Wayne, Joe Wayne, don't be play. <laughs> and uh, back and forth over the Nintendo. But my point is, like, we didn't realize then that that was going to directly affect uh, the family's business security because yeah. that killed uh, the arcade business for a while. Well, I remember uh, Dad's told me this story uh, several times, actually, that he would actually, back in its heyday, in its peak, he would come home after running the route of all the machines and getting the money and everything, and he said he would have so much cash in his hand, just balled up, that he would give it to our mom and our mom would literally be mad at him fussing because she could not stuff it all like it wouldn't fit in her purse. And she'd be fussing at her dad, like, you give me all this cash, I can't even fit it. And I was thinking, man, like, what a problem to have. <laughs> There's yeah, so much now, money you, that you, Again, you probably don't recall this because I yeah. think even you were born, he was working at World Color already. He quite, was, quite yeah, yeah. But uh, we went through a phase there before. And, and as a kid, like, I remember them being stressed, my mm. parents, like, financially stressed. So I knew that I that I would feel some of that stress because yeah. we went from literally getting whatever we wanted, super yeah. spoiled. Um, I mean, they would go every weekend, and we get like and this was ten dollars in the eighties. We got like a ten dollar allowance, which was a lot back then. And then it's we like go hundred dollars now. <laughs> we go to Walmart, and they'd buy whatever toy we wanted uh, constantly. Yeah. To where I recall us not having money to get food. Like I remember, yeah. our, we my kids called her Big Nana. I called her Grandma. She would literally have to bring us food because uh, we had been reliant on that business. Yeah. And although our 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 dad, uh, I think was a he, he was. This is something I've learned, and I don't want to talk ill of him at all because it's a positive. Actually, he was really good at generating revenue. Mm-hmm. But what he would do is he. I don't think that he was really good at saving it or no. putting it where it needed to go because he would just spend it on yeah. on us or whatever. You know, yeah. we'd go out or whatever it was going to do, and he, it, none of that money got put back. Yeah. So then when there went a dry, the well dried up, there was no money. Right. And um, I was just a little kid, and I remember we literally went from whatever we wanted to yeah. de- not sure what we were going to eat type right. stuff. And uh, that well, was rough. I mean, I remember even even when in the 90s, even after the head start to fall off, like, you know, my parents, they even spoiled me. I don't think to the degree you and Justin probably did just because they didn't quite have the level of financial security that they had when y'all were coming up. but. I remember getting spoiled then, and at the time, you know, it made for a really good childhood, and I think all three of us can agree we had really good childhoods thanks to our parents, but when you become an adult and you start looking back and you think about all the money they spent on, like, toys and different things that they bought for all of us, and you start to realize, you're like, ah, probably could have, like, made some, you know, (laughs) wiser decisions. And again, I don't want to second-guess it because they did it all out of love for us. Right, because it wasn't like they were, it's not like they were spending it on drugs or doing anything bad with it. And I mean, they would go without clothes. You know, to this day, mama will wear just whatever because they were focused on us kids. Yeah, they would do without uh, so that we could have. You you benefited in that really Justin and I were pretty much grown. By the time you got up to where you could remember stuff, you know, I was almost out of the house you know i mean i was a teen when you were growing up right and then was gone at 18 so they didn't have to they didn't directly support us even though they often still would indirectly support us with things so i think you got some benefit from that but they definitely were good parents as far as that and i'm not trying to second guess uh them spoiling us because they definitely did that And, and i think they did it because they wanted us to have the things they didn't have right but at the same time, now as adults, I look back because I've done the same thing with my kids. You know, they they, yeah. they always like I I never forget they they were raised and knew that we didn't have a lot of money. And Alex had said Austin, I think he said you and him talked about it. Maybe it was a friend of his. But Alex has commented on how they would get into the discussions over whether there was or wasn't a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And one of their points was it had to be a Santa Claus because my, their parents couldn't afford the toys. <laughs> so the yet. fact that they got all these presents. <laughs> It was like magic for real. Yeah, yeah. it was like there's yeah. definitely Santa Claus because my parents can't afford this stuff. It's like somebody's got to buy that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that was good and uh, not that uh, not knocking them at all because yeah, yeah there, there was definitely pluses. But I wish at this point 
hindsight as an adult, I wish they had the money on all those toys and they had it to live on. And, yeah, or had invested, invested in it. Yeah. Well, even I wish, I mean, you know, in the past like two years, you kind of got me into investing and things like that because you showed me the different apps like Robinhood and, mm-hmm. you know, Coinbase and all that. And that kind of sparked a whole new interest with, with me, which is finance that I, I always was interested in it, but I never really had the knowledge to back it up. And now I feel like two years into all this investing and stuff I've been doing, I think I've got way more knowledge than I did in my 20s. But I mean, even if I could go back to 21-year-old Josh and tell him like everything that I know yeah. now, I feel like we, it'd be a totally different yeah, scenario. Yeah, well, it's so know? easy. It's hindsight's twenty twenty, Right, yeah. You know, but we weren't... Uh, our parents were good at some things, but that and that's something that honestly I think should be taught in school. I agree. Is financial yeah. literacy of... you Because the thing is... Right now, I, I don't make in, in, near the money that people think I do. And y'all know that most yeah. a lot of times I don't even get paid some weeks because I'm trying to te- take care of all the people and all the businesses. There's weeks I don't get paid. Now, luckily, Madeline has a very stable job. But what I was getting at is, despite the fact that if people really knew what money I had, that it's normal money, yeah. it's not crazy money, I have in the last two years managed to save significant money yeah. because I adjusted some ways that I live. And instead of blowing, like, and I'll tell you another thing I think those apps help with. I don't know if you've experienced this, Josh, but because of the way we were raised, I do, and I think you less than me. I think I got this more than you. I do have a tendency of to spend money, like to right. want to go buy this. I'm going to buy this watch or I'm going to buy this right now. I'm going to get, or I'm going to buy presents for this, the, the kids or this or that. And what I have found is using the apps, like when I buy a stock, mm-hmm. I get the same feeling that I get of pleasure when, when I would you buy, something. buy something else, yeah. but it's a investment. So I, I tried to offset. So now when I get that hit of, oh, I got to buy this jacket or this whatever, yeah. some online thing, I go to Robinhood and I'll buy some stock. Right. Well, I look at it as, and this is one of the proponents of why I support video games and actually think that they're a very positive thing in a lot of cases, is because I literally look at it the same way as like my life, me as a person, is the same as an RPG video game character. In a, in a video game like that, you're trying to level the character up, you're trying to make that get that character to make as much money as possible, mm-hmm. gain new skills, get better experience, all this kind of stuff. And it's like if you take those same... Uh, you know, ideas and just apply them to your own life, it's the same thing. So it's like if I want to level up, you know, so to speak in real life, I can do that by getting on, you know, one of these apps and buying some Bitcoin or, you know, buying Apple stock or whatever it is. And that's me investing in the future and, you know, building my wealth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one big piece of advice I would give everybody, because this is the thing that has utterly, I mean, there's no... Uh, simplifying it has changed my life in the past two years. And I don't agree with everything he says. I agree with about 80% of what he says, but is everybody needs to follow Dave Ramsey. I think everybody, um, unless they're already like a millionaire or already have multiple businesses or investments or whatever, that's already doing really well. But if you're just like a middle-class person who's, you know, just working a nine to five or whatever, I think that it is a huge benefit to follow his game plan and listen to what he says because, you know, there's certain things I disagree with him on. Like I, I don't completely agree with him about credit cards because I think if they're used responsibly, they can be, you know, beneficial. But uh, most of what he says is is right, you know, and if you can eliminate bad debt and follow that game plan and get out of debt and then start building wealth for your future, you would just be amazed at how quickly you can do it if you follow his game plan and just listen to what he says and start making some not even significant life changes, just some minor life changes. You know, it's uh, so that's helped me out a lot. Was following Dave. I think Dave's biggest. I don't disagree that for a lot of people it's very effective. Yeah. And but I do have there's a couple principles he has that I personally disagree with. But the reason that I can disagree with him is because I think I have developed some financial discipline that most people lack. And so, for instance, debt. Debt can be an advantage. You can have what I call positive debt. We've kind of talked about it before. But you have to be disciplined to utilize the debt properly. Right. And I think what most people do is either, one, they don't know how to leverage the debt right, or two, um, they're not disciplined enough to maintain the course to leverage the debt. Uh, So, I mean, I have, in the last year, really studied that and found ways to leverage debt in a positive way. But I agree that most people, uh, if you don't know better one way or the other, his advice is usually good. Right. You know, he wants you to pay cash for everything. He still teaches the envelope system and all that. I don't know. He does, he's not as big on that anymore because I still watch his podcast like every mm-hmm. week. Um, so he hasn't preached about that as much as he used to. But he's still adamantly against student debt. He's mm-hmm. like very against student debt. He's still super against credit cards, which I I agree for most people because, again, this goes into what you're saying. I think the average person probably 
doesn't necessarily have the willpower or the mindset to understand, hey, I shouldn't go take this credit card with a $5,000 limit and max it out, you know. But uh, I think if you use them wisely, you pay them off, you know, every week or every month or whatever, and you build your credit that way. And then if you're also getting rewards cash back and you're only spending on things you would spend on anyway, like I use mine for food and gas. So things I would be spending money on anyway, and then I'm also getting cash back at no interest uh, and I'm paying it off every single month. Mm-hmm. It's like, why wouldn't you do that? You know, I'm probably yeah. saving who knows how much money each month just in cash yeah, back there, rewards. Th- that's the way you should use some of right. them because there's some that are like we have one with the restaurant, American yeah. Express, that we only put food on it. So we pay for our food with that card. We get cash back on the card and the business pays the card. Right. So it's not a loss for me at all. Yeah. It's a benefit. I get to eat and it's paid for by the business and the business gets cash back because of it. So right. it's, a, it's a double win. Uh, but yeah, I think that's important. I think it's important to leverage, uh, uh, to leverage, leverage it that way. But I do think people need to, and if they don't understand anything else, I think Dave Ramsey's a really good way to teach people. He's a great starting point. Yeah. And he's the one I started with. And then as I started following other entrepreneurs and like financial influencers and stuff, cause now that three years ago, my TikTok wasn't any of that. You know, my YouTube wasn't any of these financial people. Now you what go was there it then? and it's, uh, it was mainly <laughs> girls dancing or, uh, you know, <laughs> Maybe uh, video game reviews or for whatever random podcast I would listen to. Or something to that Justin or I've sent. Or, yeah, or some of those video. great. Yeah, yeah, that's some real interesting videos. Uh, but no, now it's like you own there, probably 80% of it is financial influencers mm-hmm. and stuff, entrepreneurs and things like that. But as you start watching all these different ones, you can kind of start picking the things you like that the mm-hmm. different ones do and kind of formulating your own idea of how to be successful financially and things like that. And I mean, a lot. So that's how I, I suggest people start. Start with Dave Ramsey. And then, you know, you can kind of go from there and start listening to some of the other guys and seeing what ideas they have. But, I mean, I just I think that the U.S. and maybe the world, but I know especially here in the U.S., I think we've gotten way too comfortable with bad debt. I think people are way too quick to just run out and get a $50,000 auto loan or run out and go $100,000 in debt for, um, you know, a college that for some degree that you might not end up even using. You know, like what good is a gender studies degree that's costing you a hundred thousand dollars yeah well i tell the kids this i mean i think that everybody especially if it's paid through the state especially in tennessee because tennessee's got tennessee promise everybody should at least get like an associate's degree but uh, i think that uh, the bachelor's is a good initial goal and it may not even be something you use initially but i think it's also silly that we expect 20 year olds to know what they're going to be the rest of their life right because i didn't go to law school till i was 29 30 31 something like that and um, so for me, though, I, I, I didn't have the money to go to law school. Law yeah. school is very expensive. I think I right now have $142,000 student loan, yeah. which Dave Ramsey would just roll over that's, with. That's like a Corvette and a half. But <laughs> that debt I've leveraged into now in positions where I have multiple businesses that all flourished, all developed out of me taking that yeah. jump and going and doing that degree. But my point was that degree is different than if you got like a bachelor's yeah. in some randomness. This, this is a graduate degree that I was able to leverage into more money. Yeah, I think I think it's different uh, if you're going to college for being a doctor or a lawyer or, or an engineer, something like specific where you know, oh, I can, I'm going to do this specific career field and that's what you're going to, to be and you know that the amount of money you're going to make long term is going to pay back, you know, whatever that degree costs. But yeah, I mean, just going and, you know, getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for an art degree, a liberal arts degree or something like that. I just kind of have to question, you know, the logic behind it. Cause I don't see where that would pay off in the long run, but you know, but anyway, I'm, I'm against student debt almost entirely. I think that uh, even if you're going for something more specific, if you can at least try to avoid a student loan, then that's always the, the best option. You know, what about all your classmates, Austin? Are they all excited now that uh, they've got debt and they are graduated? I mean, I haven't talked to them. I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a lot of debt anyways, but, yeah. I mean, this this new uh, Biden thing is going to clear me out probably. So. Mm-hmm. I, it, don't, I it, don't agree with it in the macroeconomical stand, from a macroeconomical standpoint and the capitalist in me, but, I mean, if he's handing out gravy, I'm going to yeah. put if, my bowl out. If it goes through, <laughs> now there's talk like some of the people they thought were going to be qualified now aren't qualified. 
uh, because they went and they changed some of the writing and the documentation or whatever and kind of tried to do it quietly where the media wouldn't pay much attention to it. But then, of course, people read it and called on or like, oh, now there's like another million people that thought they were going to get this debt relief that now aren't. I've experienced my own headache with it. I had from March 2020 forward, I had actually paid off my student loans and became, I became debt free. And uh, but over the course of March 2020 forward, I think I had paid just over a thousand dollars because that's all I had left on my student loans. I didn't have much. And uh, but anyway, I was uh, under this new whatever they're doing. I was uh, guaranteed a refund from the student loan provider of that thousand dollars or whatever. And then the Biden relief stuff is then just supposed to forgive that balance. So the idea is that they the loan provider pays me that balance of thousand dollars or whatever back. And then Biden the administration forgives the balance. But I've already had a headache with that. I think it was a month ago I called them first about it, and they told me I was getting the set amount and that I would get it within 30 days, and that it was over 30 days. So I called them back the other day to figure out, like, what's up? Like, where's my $1,000 I'm to get, be getting back? And then they're like, oh, it's actually less than that. Uh, they told you the wrong amount. It's actually going to be like $900 you're getting back. And uh, so we're going to cancel it out. But now it'll probably be like 75 days before you'll get it. And then I'm like, well, the relief for the forgiveness all is supposed to start around October, which it's October now. So I'm like, I need to get that refund back so that the balance is there to be forgiven. You know what I mean? So anyway, it's just, it's a big headache. And so I don't know. I don't know if I trust much of what they're saying right now about the student loan forgiveness stuff. So I guess we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the thing is, if you go to school, somebody's paying for it. You right. Know, and if it's not the government, you're using these loan companies that that's how they make their money. So yeah. I get the, you know, it is what it is. You have a choice to go or not yeah. go. And people have accrued that debt. And why would you just drop it? However, the, the $10,000 is maybe the interest on mine. I mean, right. it's not, gonna, yeah. it's not well, really going to help like, me personally. I'm technically against student loan forgiveness. But I've the way I saw it and the reason that I don't have any problem ethically with taking my little $1,000 or however much it is I get back back is because I know everybody else is going to be doing it and it's going to charge me on the back end anyway with mm. them raising taxes or whatever they do to make the money back that they're just handing out. So I'm like, why wouldn't I take advantage of it? Y'all are going to charge me for it in the long run anyhow. So yeah. I might as well, well get my thousand dollars back. Government's you know? going to get their, their yeah. piece of it no matter what. I mean, but it is what it is. I don't like that kind of stuff makes my head hurt because I can't have any direct influence on it other than voting. Right. You know, and then one minute it's Biden who's saying he wants to do it, and the Republicans will say similar stuff. So, I mean, it's just one of those political arguments that uh, I feel like it's not really going to go anywhere. Ultimately, my goal, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, as long as I can defer mine, I'm deferring it. You know, <laughs> You'll keep deferring thing, it. Yeah. And I'll eventually have to. It'll become Olsen's it. debt. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think it follows him. I don't know yeah. how that'll work on an estate. I'll have to look. Because the best way to protect your assets for your descendants is. Uh, uh, or your heirs, I should say, is a trust. Right. You set up a trust, and that can help protect it. But, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to – I told Austin and the kids, I'm trying to accumulate uh, gold bars and silver coins and all this stuff, yeah. and that they get just a treasure chest, treasure yeah. chest, and they have to go look for it. So, so when you'll I do die – You'll do a real-life Minecraft yeah, treasure hunt. <laughs> when I die, there'll be – at the will reading is the treasure map. And, and they'll, they'll skip the first seven tips yeah. and clues and go straight to the treasure chest in five minutes. I'm going to make yeah. sure that Austin gets all the comic books because he's yeah. going to keep those together. Yeah. Right? Sell them immediately. <laughs> uh, oh, I real, one other thing I was going to ask you, and then we'll start tying yeah. it up because I think we're working on over an hour, which is great. Uh, but on the people that you've worked with on your various movies and projects and whatnot, who's your favorite? If you had to pick one, not to put it on the plate, because I know yeah. you like to work with a lot of these people. Yeah. But who's somebody you, that is just great to work with and you enjoy having? Client projects or the video, the I film mean, just projects? Overall. Just overall. So I'll answer two. I'll answer the client projects I've done first, and then I'll do the, the movie. So the client projects, there are two notable people I worked with that I thought was really cool. I got to make... In 2019, I think it was, for MCFC, the guest they had that year was actor David Dosmalkian, who, um, you know, he's been in Suicide Squad most recently. He was Polka Dot Man. He was in The Dark Knight. Uh, he's been a bunch of DC superhero stuff. But anyway, he's getting, he was in Dune, uh, really, you know, that came out, was it last year? But anyway, I got to do his intro video for him. And one of the coolest moments, this is like one of those moments I'll never forget. I was walking through the vendor room after they had done the little, you know, thing that morning where he took the stage and gave his little speech or whatever. Um, and my intro video played, I edited it together for him and everything. So I'm walking through the vendor room later that evening and Tanya Vandestee, who's been on the show, she was, uh, basically like his handler or whatever for the day, like showing him around everything. 
and they're walking through the vendor room and the vendor room's packed with people. And I remember Tanya yells out from across the vendor room. She's got David standing next to her and she goes, Josh, David wants to meet you. And the whole vendor room stops and looks around and they're like, Wait, David wants to meet Josh? Like, what? And I was like, okay. And so I go walking over and start chit-chatting with him. And he was like one of the coolest dudes ever and was going on and on, being so thankful about the video I'd edited together for him and just super nice dude. And then I think he even let, because at the time, Godzilla versus King Kong had not come out yet. And he apparently had auditioned for that movie. And uh, he, like, spilled some beans about it because he was talking about the audition he did. And I think he told me some informa information about the plot that wasn't even supposed to be public at the time. Because he sat there, he talked to me for, like, 15 minutes, you know. But that was just really cool because I got to meet him and, uh, you know, got to edit a video for him. And then more recently, you know, uh, Will Wooten has partnered with uh, hip-hop artist Nelly, and they're doing the Three Commas app. And so I got to produce some video content for that app. So technically, I have produced content for Nelly, which I think is pretty cool to have on a resume. I haven't met him or anything, but I, I did think that was, uh, that was pretty neat. So as far as client videos, that's probably the coolest people I've gotten to do anything for. Uh, as far as the fan films and stuff, I mean, obviously, it's got to be Sarah. Because, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have had a video surpass 100,000 views, I feel like, if it hadn't been for casting her in that Tomb Raider film. And, uh, you know, she's been in some other stuff. She was in my Zelda film. She's been in a couple of the Resident Evil fan films that we did. And uh, I've got a couple more projects that I'm planning on doing here, you know, in the next six months or so that will have her in it. And uh, so she's been she's been very, very supportive and has turned into, like, a super good friend. I almost feel like she's almost like a sister now, you know. And uh, mainly because of the fact that she's supported me um, even when, you know, I've made some film projects and stuff that might have not even been that good, that might have been – what some would consider to be kind of garbage. And she still would show up and put in just as much effort and work on those projects as she would the ones that end up being really good and that people watch. So, yeah, I would say it's probably got to be her just because of, of that. You know, I wouldn't have the view count on YouTube, I feel like, if it wasn't for her. So, Yes, yeah. I, I agree that she has been instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's real nice. Yeah, of course. And I, of her course and I, Dylan. Yeah. I, I yeah, like Dylan to have Dylan too. back on. I enjoyed hanging out with Dylan. Yeah. I think we could have some uh, good bro talk. Yeah, and all Dylan's cool. All the people that I've gotten to work with on the films over oh, here. John, too. Yeah, John. John, John has uh, been uh, – That's so that's two other people I'll shout out. John Wood has been very instrumental in that if there's ever somebody I need to call upon that will just, like, pull out a kitchen sink at random if I need it, John's the guy because he'll be the one that will be on set. And this is the example I always give people of how cool of a dude he is. It was one of the first video projects I worked on with him on. We were filming something for YouTube. And I just made like the offhand comment that like a door was kind of in my way in the shot and that whether we closed it, opened it, didn't matter. It was still kind of in the way. And I, I wasn't even saying it saying like, hey, get rid of the door. I was saying it just pointing out that it was in the way. And all of a sudden I hear a drill go and I look over and John's taking the door off the hinges. And from that moment on, anytime I needed anything on set on any of the film projects, John was there to handle whatever. And then Tanya, you know, I met her in college. And uh, she was the reason I got into the Comic-Cons and stuff. She was the one who drug me to those and uh, told me how I needed to start promoting my films and everything at Comic-Cons. So she was very instrumental in me continuing to promote the studio and all that. So, yeah, I mean, there's just been a ton of people that have been very helpful, very supportive, uh, you know, over the years. So, yeah, I can't, I can't thank all the people enough that have helped me and continue to support me, even when I was back when I was making cringy, terrible videos. Yeah, you, <laughs> it, yeah a lot of people that have been back in roles Corey and yep. different stuff Justin even Bradley yeah. Sartain a bunch of people yeah. that have come in and well in the early days it was y'all it was Austin mm -hmm. was in the very first video ever To mm -hmm. Kill a Mockingbird I thought Two, you were going to say Slap Hands 2005 well that was even earlier that was yeah. even that's really back in the day then yeah J uh, but, James at the restaurant he, yeah. we were talking the other day and he was wanting to do a Slap Hands too, like Slap Harder yeah Slap Harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because uh, I remember being in your I was in them yeah. I remember being in your uh, uh, with Color Walking Bird, and then yeah. you did Romeo and Juliet. You were Romeo, yeah. and our dad was Juliet. Yes, and then you were, that was a good one. You ought to, re yeah. to release that. Yeah, one. yeah, people funny. would like that. That was yeah. a good. Yeah, he's good all like acting like he's. And we had uh, we had the Odyssey where you're Odysseus. And oh yeah, I forgot because I stayed up all night, and then yeah. you come and did that one. In and Nashville. we we shot yeah we shot that at the Parthenon in Nashville. And we had Justin Wallace, a good family friend of ours, mm -hmm. who's actually going to be on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. Um, but he was in it, and he played a very uh, interesting character whose name I won't, I won't say. But yeah, anyway, it was a lot of fun. Those first several we did, it was literally like family and friends. Yeah. And then after that, after high school, it kind of started to become semi-professional. And I mean, we still have fun making the movies and stuff, but uh, it definitely is 
way more professional now than I think it was back then. Back well, then, that's how stuff happens. All. I mean, it, you, you know, you do it and you get more experience and yeah. it gets better. But honestly, that early stuff I think is fun because it's raw. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, it, it showed you, I think it's really important to always look back and see how things have grown and evolved. And have evolved. And developed. Right. And uh, you could see Austin running around and yeah. does he play Jim? Yeah, no, was, what was the two kids? I names? think it was Jim and Scout. Jim and Scout. Jim and Scout. And Jade, Jade was played Scout. Scout. Yeah, he played Jim. He was going, "Hey, come yeah. over here, Scout." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mason Studios coming up on the 20th anniversary. We might have to do a uh, a remake of that with them at their <laughs> with them at their current ages and just remake it shot for shot or something. Well, like they that. they did the yeah. uh, the sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, there, where there's a new book out. Another book. oh, is there? I yeah, they that. did a okay. sequel, and it's apparently. Yeah supposedly and y'all are anybody watches this can comment and tell me how i'm an idiot and wrong because that may be misremembering but my understanding is that harper they're trying I, I don't a lot of people that have read the sequel didn't like it yeah because in the sequel they basically try to say that atticus was actually racist oh, and that the whole thing yeah. was a spin for him to try to show that he wasn't when he actually was yeah. and it's like pretty negative on a lot of those characters right. and and I, I think it was written by harper lee and it was either supposed to be like a prequel or no i take that back it's supposed to be scout i think remembering uh her dad and yeah. remembering the incidents and that kind of stuff so it's not it's a post whatever um i guess a sequel but uh it didn't get as good reviews i think because it kind of and i haven't read the book but madeline did and i think uh my understanding is it kind of destroyed some of those characters yeah well it's weird how things come full circle because we did that that was the first film i ever did and you played a lawyer in it yeah you played atticus who was a lawyer and now you really are a lawyer, a lawyer. and now here lawyer. i am doing the video production stuff for you at the law firm so yeah know. it's random how that yeah. works so basically kids if you want to go shoot a goofy video as a class project i encourage you to do so because you never know where it might make you end up, you know, in the long run. You know, I did a video when, and I think your teacher might have told you or remembered, we did a Julius Caesar video, mm -hmm. and I was Julius Caesar. But we did it modern where it was like a gang instead yeah. of, and uh, I remember we got in trouble. We, the cops got called on us because in one of the scenes, they're running me over with a truck, mm -hmm. and then they throw, like when Brutus goes E2 Brute, they, they literally say, he won't die. We've hit him with everything but the kitchen sink. And then they throw a kitchen sink on me. Oh, yeah. On Julius yeah. Caesar. Because basically the video only has E2 Brute in it. Yeah. And then they're killing Caesar the whole time. Right. So they're shooting me and running me over me. And then the cops get called because it yeah. looks like I had blood all over me. Yeah. Uh, but that was a video we did anyway. It was random. I think it was my senior year. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I don't, I don't think I did. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, any, tell everybody how they can find you, Josh. I mean, obviously, we do your Masonite thing every day. Yeah, uh, it's Mason Studios on YouTube. Um, that's the main site that I promote. And then, of course, Masonite Digital Marketing uh, is the website if you want to do get any of the digital marketing services or any of that kind of stuff. Yep, that's it right there. And then uh, on most other social media, like Instagram, I think it's at the underscore Masonite or something like that is what my username is. So if you want to follow me on there. But yeah, ma mainly Masonite Digital Marketing, and that's got all the links to everything else on that website. So, yep, follow me there. Cool. And obviously, Josh is uh, instrumental here as our marketing director and producer on the podcast. And uh, as many of you know, I've, I've credit him with a lot of the kick and lawyer stuff. A lot of you know the kick and lawyer and the brand and all that. And a lot of it's because Josh has, has helped me a lot with building that brand. And sometimes I'll have ideas and run them by him, and he helps explode them and vice versa. He'll have an idea, and, like, we got the pirate idea you came up with yeah. that we may be doing soon. So it's really good. Uh, you have to have a, 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 a brain for marketing, and then also it's good to understand how to do the, the tech side of it. Well, so. it basically comes out of most um, lawyer advertisements that at least I've seen over the years have been super boring and don't grab your attention at all. Yeah. And so the one thing that you and I are both in agreement on is to do the exact opposite of that and to grab the attention. It's almost like the old spice mm -hmm. marketing mantra, you know, just over the top, crazy, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, and I'll give uh, credit where it's due to, because a lot of when I was forming the idea for the kicking lawyer and the brand it's and Texas how we do law commercials hall. was the Texas law. Yeah. Hall. Yeah, you know, and so that was a big yeah. deal to me. He's younger than me, but when I got text from him and he and I <laughs> communicated, that was a big deal to me because in my field, like John Morgan, yeah. you know, you got people in the movie movie stuff you like, but th that John Morgan has communicated with me is a big deal because I look up to those guys. So yeah. anyway, well, Josh, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be I'm here. So excited the first time. <laughs> and you guys, thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to our content across platforms, all podcasts and social media platforms. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, we're on TikTok. You can watch. Uh, I always joke about Josh doing dances. We're going to have to actually have to do that one time, Josh. You do dances. 
And our hundredth episode is coming up on October eleventh. Uh, we got a lot of special guests and fun stuff that day planned. It may start early because I still have to leave in time to go do my seller stuff. So we might start that around 4 p.m. But anyway, just keep an eye out for that. I want to thank Michelle Allen. She's our longtime sponsor and supporter of the show. She's your go-to realtor in the area if you're buying, selling, renting real estate. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, some of you have messaged me about it. And I'm terrible at following up. You can message me or Josh, and we'd be glad to explain to you how you could be a sponsor on the show. Uh, Mason's High Octane Martial Arts, located in Covington, been open since 93, creating uh, black belts, champions, and kicking lawyers. If you're interested, you or your family or friends or whoever, we'd be glad to, to get you set up. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. Uh, of course, the cellar is where I'm headed after this. I have to do uh, trivia tonight. We have trivia every Tuesday. We have comedy uh, every once in a while, live music every Friday, great music all the time, and great drinks. It's open at every day at 4 p.m., seven days a week, so hopefully you guys can uh, catch me there. And as we've been talking all day, we got Masonite Digital Marketing. Josh will be glad to help you also accelerate your brand with online presence, website development, social media boosts, etc. Uh, Josh will be glad to help you with that if you're interested. So thanks for watching, and we will see you next Tuesday. I don't know who my guest is, but I'm sure they're going to be. It's like five or six of them. Oh, great. Is that the, is that the 100th one? The 100th, 100th oh, well, week. oh, great. Well, then next week is the 100th one. We'll see you then next week. It'll probably be 4 p.m. And please tune in for that. And I don't care if you promise just five bucks. I really want to try to raise some money for the Tipton Arts Council charity. And so if you guys comment, they'll contact you then about getting the five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, 100 bucks, wherever you want to go. And we'll come up. I'm going to try to come up with some actual attainable goal during the show. Um, but anyway, that's going to be next Tuesday. I'm excited about that. So thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next time. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.